Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. Welcome back, everyone, to You Wanted a Hit. We are very excited to have a guest who's been a long time coming, longtime fan. I- I'd say what? Lo- long longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, yes. Corey Graves is here. Uh, Corey plays trumpet keys and uh i'd say is the like mascot of wonderful country <laughs> punk band vandaliers from dallas fort worth what's up how is that how is that for an intro <laughs> uh I, I love it uh i i consider travis to be our mascot you know <laughs> you guys are quite the team i know we work well together you're like ronald mcdonald and grimace <laughs> <laughs> I just you with my red hair today. I've, I'm the Ronald, and he's the grimace. Yeah, I was, I was going to go Philly fanatic and uh, and gritty. Uh, happy to have Corey here. Uh, he is a very vocal listener, and is always writing in and talking about the show and posting about it. And we very much appreciate. I feel like you've been supporting since day one, since it launched. You have been. Yeah, I, I started following you on Instagram uh, since before the first podcast came out. I, when I saw the logo, I was like, this is going to be interesting. And I've been listening to literally since the first day it came out. And uh, I've been showing it to everyone at, at, everywhere I go. Uh, oh, my man. Uh, my uh, t-shirt printing business that I do on the side, like when I'm home. I was, uh, we play it in our shop there. Fuck yeah. Uh, Damn. We play it in the van all the time. We're on the tour. So uh, we're big uh, fans of it, for sure. All the, all the Vandaliers. Oh, man. Love uh, that. I'm blushing a little bit. Well, I feel like because you are on, we are going to get a lot of first-time listeners. Hell yeah. So to uh, to recap a bit for first-time listeners, uh, this is a podcast where we tell a story behind a strange hit song, and we try to figure out you know, how and why it became such a massive hit. 99% of the time, the co-host who isn't presenting has no idea what song we're covering, and the same goes... For any guests that we might have on, we do not take requests from guests which what song they might want to cover. However, <clears throat> I am making a very rare exception here because uh, I've been told that there is a song that you've always wanted to cover, uh, and if you joined us for recording, this is the song that you wanted. So, and it fits. It's a strange song. Um, you know, it's a staple of many sporting events uh, as well as many high school dances. And so with baseball season playoffs kicking off and with homecoming being in season, I think it's time to cover. When I'd been forgotten, I'd go. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton I Joe. When I'd been forgotten, I'd go. Corey's got both fists in the air. Where did you come from? Where did you go? I mean, how can you not? There it is. There it is. You don't know how excited I am right Uh, I'm excited too. So, am I right? Have I have I been told correctly that you are wanting to cover this song eventually? 
Yes, I've requested this episode many times, mm-hmm. and then uh, I was like, if, and if you do it, I want to be on it. Well, here we are. <laughs> and I, w- I was always shut down. He said, uh, Mike's always told me, you know the guest cannot choose the song. <laughs> I would say that this was still following the rules, because Theo asked me, he was like, what kind of stuff's Corey into? Like, what do you think would be fun? And I was like, I gave him a bunch of things. I was like, I, he li- I think he likes this, this, and this. We've talked music a bunch. Um, pretty knowledgeable guy. He's got this radio show. You're familiar with his band. I was like, I will say he has voiced his affinity for Cotton Eye Joe and that he wants to hear it on the show. I was like, we don't have to have him do this. You don't have to talk about the song with him. We could. We could not. So I left the door open. I'm so excited. The the song we, we just heard is from the band Rednecks, straight out of uh, their 1995 hit. And we will get there because that is the unlikely hit that we are talking about today but the song itself as you guys are probably well aware uh has its roots some 150 or so years ago and uh it's, it's pro- i wasn't aware of this till i tried to research this for a previous episode and thought i don't know if i'm ready for this yeah i don't know if i knew how old the song was and what the original roots were but i think growing up i always just thought this was a song played at weddings for the last 40 some years and so I don't think I even realized that the version I knew right. was fairly new when I was seven or eight years old. But yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those things you always associate with fiddles, like yeah. a tra- very traditional fiddle song. Uh, so no one knows the exact origins of this song. It dates back to the 1800s and was an old folk song. Past- well, somebody knows, but they're dead. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> well, who knows? I, well, I guess, yeah. Some, someone had to have come up with the original idea, but unfortunately... Uh, we, we are we're not privy to that information. Uh, it is an old folk song passed around mainly in the American South amongst mainly slaves. They were apparently many versions of this song. Of course, it's being passed around orally um, and it's being played by by different folks in different cities. So um, it's changing over time and, and there's many different versions. As we'll see, there is kind of like one underlying theme. Uh, it was often accompanied by various dances as well, as we very know well today. Uh, again, we don't know exactly when uh, it was first written or, or who wrote it. Uh, American folklorist Dorothy Scarborough noted in her 1925 book. What a great name for a folklorist. <laughs> great name. Dorothy Scarborough. <laughs> and look, there's a lot of names in tonight's episode that are made up, and I, I don't think this one is. So uh, fantastic uh, job on her parents there. Uh, she wrote a book in 1925 entitled On the Trail of Negro Folk Songs. That several people, as she said, that several people, several people remember hearing the song before the Civil War. So we have to imagine that it was at least pre-1860 that this song mm-hmm. would have been written. Uh, what is a cotton eye? You guys know? Uh, some sort of plant? Uh, a nut? I don't right. know. Any guesses? Know. Dude got punched in the eye. Putting cotton on it, trying right. to soak so up it, all the, uh, all in, the in this... goop and the blood. <laughs> okay. So uh, not far off one theory. So there's a couple different theories to what Cotton Eye Joe uh, is in reference to. It may refer to being drunk on moonshine. Mm. Most probably linked to being blinded by drinking wood alcohol, which is essentially methanol. Oh, uh, it's called wood alcohol. Maybe not because good it was to originally drink. not good to drink. But uh, you know, back in the day, <laughs> you you had to make alcohol what you had, and uh, originally methanol was produced by destructive distillation of wood. The word methanol is from Greek methi for alcohol and hyl for wood. 
Drinking as little as 10 milligrams can cause permanent blindness mm. and can even lead to death. So apparently this was a not terribly uncommon thing back in the day. Um, another theory is it might have referred to the contrast of a black person's skin and the whites of their eyes. I also mm. read that some people thought it was in reference to coal miners who would have been dirty with coal and in contrast uh, to the whites of their eyes. Huh. Another theory, going to Mike's point here, is that the phrase cotton-eyed is the process of which a person has their eyeball removed and replaced with a cotton ball due to lack of medical equipment and surgeons back in the day. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> That's crazy. And there's also reference, and this is probably more pointed to potentially what rednecks might have been kind of thinking about, but uh, it's in reference to an STD. Uh, but there's little evidence to support this urban legend. But again, no one knows for sure. Uh, I have questions about the STD. Which one are we talking here? Well, the idea being like, <laughs> well, I think the idea being like, if <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe was an STD, it's like, you know, I would have been married a long time ago, but for Cotton Eye Joe, like I got the STD, women are running away from me, which is a line in the Redneck version, not in the original version. Got it. So I think that's worth referencing a little bit that like it could be like a you know a, a nomenclature. Also, how, how awesome must the uh, wood whiskey have been to like I'm gonna go blind if I drink this, <laughs> but I'm probably still gonna do it if so many people are doing it. It must have been it must have been legit awesome. I'm gonna roll the <laughs> dice. I have to imagine that it was something of the nature of like you you distilled it and to a certain point it became alcohol, but if you yeah. missed that point. And distilled a little bit too less or something like there had to be I, nature. I've done right? many a distillery tour. I've I've helped make liquor before, and I gotta say, no matter how safe they tell you it is, when you try the the early stuff, it's I always harsh. think as I'm drinking it, am I gonna go blind? <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> well, now you're definitely gonna be thinking about it. <laughs> so it seems the first written version appeared in 1882. In Louise Clark Purnell's novel Diddy Dumps, hell yeah, and taught or pla- wait what <laughs> Diddy Dumps and taught or plantation child life, which apparently was a nostalgic look back at the antebellum South. Oh, uh. Uh, I, I grabbed two verses out I'm not of. Sure, that was nostalgic for everyone. Well, no, no not <laughs> not for everyone. Uh, I grabbed two verses out of the uh, out of her writing. I, I removed some of the more problematic verses. Corey, you wanna you wanna give. This is shot. I would just, you know, read it, read oh. it verbatim. <clears throat> oh, I see. Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. What did you make me sarve me so for to take my gal airway from me and see your hum plum tear, Tennessee? It, if it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd have been married long time ergo. No gal so handsome could be found not in all this country round with her kinky head and her eyes so bright with her lips so red and her teeth so white if it hadn't been for cotton eye joe i'd have been married long ergo impressive that's impressive that was pretty good that was that was uh going in cold there yeah, dry reading that was great <laughs> we needed that uh so that's the first time it's been was written down 1882 uh, Purnell's okay. version describes the titular character as an ugly man who swoops into town and steals the narrator's sweetheart. This is essentially mm. the theme that plays out amongst most versions. Um, although, noted black cultural historian and longtime Fisk University 
chemistry professor, Thomas Talley, shared a slightly different rendition in his book, Negro Folk Rhymes. The son of former Mississippi slaves, Talley came across a version wherein Cotton Eye Joe isn't just a person, but also a dance. I've been dead some seven years ago if I hadn't danced that Cotton Eye Joe. Which mm. I think is kind of interesting. I think it's kind of cool, uh, more yeah. like mysterious, folky way to look at it. Like it's mm-hmm. like a, a dance of the devil or something. Or a dance, a dance of sin. Dance of sin. Cotton yeah. Eye Joe. Back to the STDs, you know, there's only one way to get an STD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the Civil War, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, the song continued to develop and be played at many different acts in many different forms. Uh, for those who are aware of our racist history here in America, it should come as no surprise. Racist history in America? We have some of it. Hmm. There's a little bit of it. Uh, this song was often played during minstrel shows back oh. in the day. Of course, it I was think also that's popular where I ads. stopped. I think I was like, I don't know if that's what I want to cover this week. <laughs> the only time I'm going to mention it. All right. Uh, it was it was also popular in square dances and, and hoedowns time mm-hmm. as well, as it probably still is today. Uh, I read that in uh, an 1875 issue of the Saturday Evening Post. It contained a story referencing the song. And in 1884, the Fireman's Magazine dubbed the tune an old familiar air. And the first 78 RPM recordings of Cotton Eye Joe began surfacing in 1927 when the string band Dyke's Magic City Trio cut the earliest known version. That's a hell of a band name. Yeah, you said there were going to be some good names in this episode. And you're <laughs> like three for three already. So let me, this is the Dyke's Magic City Trio. I've been married 40 years and this apparently is from 1927. So, okay. pretty folky in oh, nature. Yeah. Now, this is from 27, but then I also found a recording from, apparently, 1925, which is this version. This thing rips. Yeah. So, the 1925 version I just sent you, uh, I I found it from 1925, so that, to me, would be the first the skillet recording. Liquors. This is by Gid Tanner and the Skillet Lickers. Uh, I was not aware of Gid Tanner, but he was a fiddler who would be credited as one of the earliest stars in recorded country music. Mm. Gid was from Georgia and grew up on a chicken farm. He started playing fiddle at age 14 and quickly gained notoriety. He would often perform in competitions against his arch rival, Fiddle John Carson. <laughs> I'd watch this movie. Oh, you know, all these versions you've said so far over, they, uh, they've all been ripping. Yeah. And, uh, the fiddle parts yeah. have all been really, really flying like... It, it, it has been a, a, a you know, a, a banger since day one, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. So Gid and his band, the, the Skillet Records, which is an awesome name, would go on to sign with Columbia Records. On an interesting aside, uh, in a connection to the origin of Cotton Eye Joe, Gid's guitarist, Riley Puckett, was in fact blind. Hmm. Which could be from alcoholism. Could be. Uh, could be from SDDs. <laughs> could be from SDDs. Is this, uh, this has to be, I think, I'm thinking back of all the co- songs we covered. This has to be the oldest song we've covered. Like the song with the oldest roots. Definitely. Probably the oldest song and the song with the most version. Yeah, as well. this is already a lot. We'll make a full playlist the, of every version of it. Right, hey, we got, we got many more. <laughs> so the song would continue to be popular throughout the early 20th century, all throughout the U.S., 
Uh, it seems that many acts would go on to record a version, record a version of Cotton Eye Joe, but it wasn't until the 1940s that the song would really start to gain like real traction, real notoriety. Uh, Burl Ives Ooh. recorded potentially two. Well, I found two versions, so let me send you one. They're both similar in nature. Um, they're very different than, than the first two I sent you. So check out this Burl Ives version here. There he is. But whenever Burl. I see a picture of Burl Ives, I'm I'm immediately uh, reminded of his snowman yes. character in Real the Red Nose Reindeer because he looks Sam identical. Snowman. It does. It look, yeah, it looks just like it. So much lower version. Yeah. It's cool. Unique. Huh. I honestly don't know a lot of Burl Ives outside of Christmas, but... It is in the fiddle, though. It's in that ripping fiddle that the rest of the versions have uh, not as much yeah, been known for. And clapping in when that was yeah, if this were the only version, I don't see Rednecks picking this up. <laughs> not Rednecks, quite, big not Burl Ives fans. They are... <laughs> <laughs> also in the 1940s, future country music Hall of Famer and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Bob Willis, widely known as the oh, King Bob of Wills, Western Swing. Dude. Bob Wills. Really? Or he might send someone to your house and kill yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? This one article is... It definitely said you know Will- Bob Wills, right? Of course. I mean, oh, ta- yeah. I'm talking to Theo. I'm K- talking the to King Theo. of Western Swing. Oh, I did not Dude. know. I was not aware. Oh. Man. You're right. It is one Bob thing Will- that's not bad. in the middle of our Venn diagram. I'm a, I'm a huge fan as well. Uh, a guy comes right. up to us at our, our show one time, and he had just gotten into Bob Wills. He's like, I thought I had uh, burned the wrong copy off the internet. Like, I got a bootleg because there was somebody making Mickey Mouse noises all over the record, just saying, yep. hi, oh, whatever. Oh, he goes, no, that, we're like, that, that was Bob. That was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <what? laughs> yeah. Because the singer would be I, singing, I, like, Tommy, and then uh, he'd be like, oh, Tommy, get him, Tommy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he would do because he, he wasn't the singer, like but the he hype was the man. band leader. Uh, yeah, I love and that. He would he would interject with those things, but Theo, I'm certain you so, know some of his his jams. I'm sure yeah. I do. I feel like I've missed uh, every time I've walked through the country music hall of fame. I've just missed the uh, the different exhibits. So a thing we do on our uh, it's on our record, and then uh, we do it live too. Is uh, when Dustin's doing his guitar solo on uh, Bottom Dollar Boy. Halfway through, I go ha as a nod to Bob Wills. <laughs> Hell yeah! There you go. So. Oh, I love that. Well, let's listen to this version. Let's go. This album cover on this YouTube it even says aha on it. <laughs> aha! <laughs> I saw that. I've never heard this before. So you'll notice this one, uh, while the lyrics are vastly different than ones we've heard before, the uh, the theme of I would have been married a long time ago if it wasn't for Cotton Eye Joe continues to, to go forth. Uh, it's really the only underlying theme of the entire song throughout the 150, 200 year career of the song's career. But it's a folk song, so you can change like, it to whatever you want. You don't have to, I mean, no one knows who wrote it, yeah. so there's no, no publisher. Yeah, right. You don't have to credit anybody or whatever. Just no royalties? Does that work? <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. uh, Adolf, Adolf Poffner of Czech German origin, who grew up listening to Hawaiian music, created a version. This is. How did this it, guy? This find one's it? fun. This one's a little more swinging nature as well. Wait, this guy is from where? So he's 
Czech German origins. I think he grew up in Texas, okay. but his parents were. were oh, so this he, guy was eating fucking kolaches, making, well, yeah. making this yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, but he had some like Hawaiian connection. I don't know if he had spent time in Hawaii, but his parents made him listen to Hawaiian music growing up. Uh, so there's a lot huh. of ukulele reference as well. He seems a lot cool. of the instrumental Hawaiian influence, you know, steel sure. guitar, you, you ukulele, etc., was from World War II vets. Uh, music historian Bill Malone said that Hoffner's version was the one that did the most to popularize the song oh. at that time period. And it's totally instrumental. And then we're going to jump to 1967. Al Dean and the All-Stars. Oh, kick it. Kicking with Al Dean. Uh, this inspired a round, uh, a new round of polka oh, yeah. for couples. This is hot. Yeah. This one's got a real nice stereo mix, I gotta tell you. It does, it does. It's, like the it's band's not easy to get a good uh, recording of a fiddle. Like, we've, we've had a lot of hard time in the studio with that. Like, this sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, this might be my favorite one so far. <clears throat> this one's very fun, yeah. Ooh, that guitar tone is killer, yep. too. Oh, this is great. All right, do you want to switch it up completely? In the 1960s, Nina Simone what? would oh. record a version. Now, oh, in, wow, that's cool. As we talked about, one of the themes throughout the entire life of this song is that uh, Cotton Eye Joe is kind of like the nemesis, the villain throughout, mm-hmm. stealing your woman. Mm-hmm. In Nina's version, it comes from the woman's point of view. Love uh, it. And she is in love with a, a Cotton Eye Joe, and, but she's married to her man. So. Dude, I love songs like that. Yep. That flip the script like that. It's awesome. I love this version. This is beautiful. I mean, this is obviously a uh, much more jazzy cocktail lounge vibe, if you imagine. Do you come from Well, I come for to see you. And I come for the same And I come for to show you My I'm getting goosebumps over I here. Mean, it's beautiful. This is amazing. And I feel like it's a really cool way of like, obviously the song comes from, from Black Roots. It comes from, you know, slavery days. And it gets bastardized by all these white country singers, and, and, and you know, great ways, but like still, like theme in American popular music. She's coming back and like reclaiming the song yeah. and making it very much her own, changing the vibe completely. Which I think it's super cool. It's really great. And I'm drinking whiskey. It's late at Man. night. The view of the city behind uh, me. This is like a song just fits, you know. This is yeah, a mood setter. Yeah. So I would love to keep listening, but uh, you know we we got we got lots of songs to get into. Uh, I just want to play this whole song in the episode. We we hey we played the entire uh, Carl so Sagan uh, outro. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So the song and dance remained popular throughout Texas and the South in the 1970s. Uh, circle dance called Cotton Eye Joe can be Yo, found in which, the... Which version of the song was, were people listening to dancing to? Do you know? Is it the Czech dude? It just seems like a, a mix. I mean, I think more so. 
lots of live bands are mm. playing Cotton Eye Joe of course. at Hoedown Square Dances. Honky Tonks. Yeah. Yeah. In the 1975 edition of Encyclopedia of Social Dance, they talk about a circle, a circle dance called Cotton Eye Joe, mm-hmm. where men stand on the inside of a circle facing out, women stand on the outside facing in. Both circles follow a sequence of kick steps and struts. And I feel like I have like vague memories of being like in middle school or elementary school, learning dances of this nature and, and probably to this song. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, following the release of the movie Urban Cowboy, in the 1980s, which featured a version of the song, uh, there was a, quote, Western craze that took over the U.S. and much of the world to reignite the popularity in this song. It was also along this time that Merle Haggard would release his Texas Fiddle song, which makes reference to the Cotton Eye Joe and features mm-hmm. the melody of both Bob Wills and Al Bean versions. And he now played fiddle on that one because he he played fiddle on some recordings. He did. He also, I think, played fiddle on the very last Bob Wills record. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. There's a great clip from the old Johnny Cash TV show, Merle Haggard playing fiddle and singing, and it's just unbelievable. Look how cool he is. Now the dope, dope album cover there. Ah, uh, look at those boots. Fun, fun little ditty. I love that the cover's like so rock and roll. Like it looks like it could be Springsteen. <laughs> I was just gonna say this yeah. song's on it. <laughs> so that brings us to the 1990s, and here's where things get interesting. It is in 1992 that Irish band The Chieftains would team up with Ricky Skagg to record a version of this song. If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd been married a oh, long time ago. Oh, the, the intro sounds very familiar. It's starting to familiar. sound like Rednecks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh. Whoa. I mean, this is like... This is the one that they heard for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, get a little Irish here. A little, little funk. Yeah, it is, in fact, this 1992 version that would capture the hearts of three Swedish producers. <laughs> That's a fun uh... ditty. All right. So we, we were at a, a good moment here to go grab another Sierra Nevada. I'm going to refill a little whiskey here. Um, let's, let's take a one-minute break. I'm still working on my Sierra Nevada. Uh, I'm, I'm having the Sierra Nevada Big Little Thing. Hazy IPA. Uh... I, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know this is one of my favorites from them. Um, you know, it's got a little bit of a kick to it. It's good for the beginning of the episode. Gets me into gets me into gear. Um, it's got big flavor, and you know, you need that for these big songs. So, pick a few up from our friends at Sierra Nevada. They've been good to us. They'll be good to you. Like a true professional. I just made that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking actually this bottle of Old Crow. Oh, it's uh signed by Rhett Miller here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. I like uh, Rhett Miller. That's great. I love that. So, as I mentioned, this version of the song by the Chieftains and good old Ricky Skaggs that catches the attention of three Swedish Eurodance producers. I want to know where they heard it. Do we know where they heard it? Uh, well, 
I mean, they're producers in Sweden. You have to assume that they are probably just listen to a lot of European music. And yeah, I have to assume the Chieftains are on their radar. So yeah. they certainly hear this version because uh, they they mentioned it in interviews. So it's, it's this version of the song that that catches their attention. Uh, I will I will. There are many names here that I'm just going to butcher. So I apologize to all of our Scandinavian listeners. Uh, we actually have a, a good amount of German listeners, so they'll probably also we be do. offended. Um, so. Producers were Jean Erickson, Oregon Aubon Auberge. You fucking butchered John Erickson, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's definitely not John Erickson. Jan, J A N N E. <laughs> and then finally, Patrick Edinburgh or Patrick Riennes. I'm not sure what his actual name is. I think it's Edinburgh. Okay. He also goes by Ranez or more commonly Mup. Mup. Yeah. I like that. So, either way. Uh, these three decided to mix American country music with Euro dance and pop. And that's what we got. Uh, on why the Chieftain song inspired them, Patrick Mupp, uh, in an interview with Song Facts, was quoted saying, It was a quick, very spontaneous and playful decision. The first demo was made in four hours as a screw around. Much was helped by the fact that the vocals and violins were without background music. So at the time, more easy to sample in those days. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, while the origin of the song uh, always features some sort of the same theme and chorus, as we mentioned, the, uh, you know, if it hadn't been forgotten a Joe, I'd be married a long time ago. It was Patrick Renese, Renese, uh who wrote and added all the additional verses of the song that we know today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producers did not perform the song themselves. They actually came up with the idea to essentially hire a handful of musicians to play characters and branded themselves as rednecks with an x so in the same rednecks <laughs> r-e-d-n-e-x that's good yeah for our listeners we should, we should mention that is uh very very euro dan uh yes. in that same interview patrick said i was an exchange student in the u.s in the 80s that's how he knew about the word redneck he's like i was an exchange student in the 80s i probably came across the term then we are aware that the term is derogatory towards poor uneducated and simple folk but we see no reason to be derogatory towards that category of people. We disapprove of that kind of snobbery within human relationships. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, okay. No That's a roundabout uh, way of defending that. He, he followed up when we released Cotton Eyed Joe. We knew very little about American hillbilly redneck culture other than the stereotypes. For us, the redneck image was very compatible with the feeling of the music. Raw, energetic, simple, party, etc. It was only afterwards that we have learned more about the culture. However, learning about it has not really affected the rednecks image, which we will remain as 50-50 tribute slash parody of that lifestyle. <laughs> well, that's, that's what a lot of people do today still, too. It's still, well, you yeah. know, the Americana yeah. scene is just 50-50 parody of the scene, you know, like with our rhinestones and Stetson hats and all this, like. Well, pop yeah. country. I think which of us are yeah. really like out here riding horses and whatnot, you know, like, but we'll sing about yeah. it or whatever, you know. So when they released the song to the world, they refused to do interviews and they simply released a biography claiming that they were five, quote, inbred hillbillies from Brunken Flow in Idaho, USA. Idaho? This was, yes. So this was before. So they're, they're like marketing towards European audiences. And this is mm-hmm. before the Internet. You know, so you could like, you could do this. And so I, I read that they blew up in, in Europe well before the U.S. So 
you know, people in Europe probably wouldn't have like looked into small towns in Idaho to see if it was real or not. Uh, it turns out that Brunk Brunkenflow Brunkenflow uh, is not a town in, in Idaho. You However, Brunkenflonstrand uh, with an R is a town in Sweden, and the Brunkenflow again with the R. I'm butchering that name. Uh, is the name of a pendant lamp from Ikea. So there is <laughs> there is connection to oh, that's amazing. To Sweden there a little bit, you know. That's great. Uh, the bios said that they were inbred but musically gifted, passing that gene on through generations. According to the bio, they were brought to Sweden where they had a hard time adjusting to civilization. Uh, one member ate a dog because he couldn't find a skunk. Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, these uh, the, the the band is made up of five members who are not uh, outside of Patrick or not any of the producers. Uh, in actuality, the group originally consisted of lead singer Annika Lundberg, who went by Mary Jo, Kent Olander, who went by Bobby Sue, Arn Arnstand, who went by Ken Tacky, Jonas Nielsen, who went by Billy Ray, because of course it's a Billy Ray, oh. and lastly Patrick, who went by Mupp. However, apparently Mupp was replaced by Urban Langern, who went by B.B. Stiff. Oh, wow. So many good names. So many good names. Uh, there's a lot of good names. Great here. real names, great fake names. Uh, they, like I said, they refused to interview, but later on, when they, whenever, whenever they were confronted by like, a situation where they had to speak, be interviewed on stage, uh, they would just grunt and gesture wildly. So they just like really leaned into like a caveman redneck attitude of sorts. Uh, yes. It wasn't until six months after the song was released that a story in the Swedish newspaper uncovered the fact that it was a farce. How did they figure it out? Do you well, know? I'm more interested in how for six months did people who were fans of this band <laughs> think that they were actually from a fuck town in Idaho <laughs> didn't speak English. They didn't have the internet. They did not have the internet. So they bought it. They bought it all. You could get away with a lot more back Yeah, then. you definitely could. You definitely could. If you wanted to find out if that's a real town in Idaho, you just have to trust that it, because it wasn't in the encyclopedia, it doesn't exist. I mean, honestly, if you said that they're from Brunkenfold, Sweden, I'd be like, okay. That's probably there. Two of us just did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. I wouldn't second guess it. Uh, so I couldn't find much information about their label at the time, or really at any point, uh, but on their wiki, on the right side, it credits uh Zamba, Jive, Battery, as well as their own label. Oh, wow. So Jive got in the mix. Yeah, I have to assume that was like distribution here. Like, I really don't know how they they released music at the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not going to help us figure out how in the world this became a hit. Uh, Jive, great label. Tribe Called Quest, Backstreet Boys, Rednecks. Great, great label. Boom. Trifecta. (laughs) Uh, uh, interesting enough, as, as an aside, I did find a press release years later when I was like trying to Google, like, you know, label redneck. Uh, that is a press release that was announcing that the band was moving on from their label and they would release their music through Pirate Bay exclusively, which oh, was wow. one of those like early Napster esque sites or one of the sites that came up after Napster. Yep. So in the press release, they're quoted saying, Everybody seems to think that a fierce battle is underway between the record companies and the file sharers. But this is a naive assessment. The battle is long since over. Within 12 years, the record companies will be extinct, and any effort in holding back the file shares until then will be futile. So that was in 2010. <laughs> so 
Yeah, they uh, <laughs> twelve years on. <laughs> they spoke are. a little differently there than they had in the past. In the grunt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this guy went on to uh, found Spotify. So <laughs> yeah, he was not quite wrong. You know? I mean, quite friends with the guy. Right? <laughs> oh, that dude is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like after a few years of of having a famous dance song, they now sound like anonymous. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, I don't know how what label came out on originally but apparently it uh, like very very quickly skyrocketed on the charts in europe and australia but it did take some time in america to catch on and from a handful of articles that i could find i really couldn't figure out why it came to america how it came to america because again there was no from what i could find no label pushing it necessarily but it seems like it was mm-hmm. it caught on a little bit and sporting events really helped propel the song into kind of its infamy which we still have today uh so that might be a big answer to all this, but I think it's time for us to watch the the Rednecks video. Hell yeah. I can't tell you the last time I actually watched this. So. I purposely, I, I mean, I saw a couple clips of it, but I, I tried to avoid the whole thing. Oh, I, yeah. So they, they still play this at the uh, Texas Rangers games, like to this day. I mean, knowing that it was complete parody, now you watch it on the yeah. video and you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, they throw this up on the Jumbotron, still like every baseball game. I mean, it's it, it, what you'd imagine if you had... <laughs> Five Swedish people dress up as American rednecks. They're in like the most offensive of, uh, way possible. Rednecks look <laughs> eerily similar to like zombies, though. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is very zombie. Or Nirvana. This looks like smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> oh wow, video wise, it does. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. When I was watching this video, I was like, they're not. It's like the Geico caveman almost. Yeah. <laughs> so this was directed by Swedish director Stefan Berg. Uh, it won the prize for best Swedish dance video. In 1995, I don't know what else it was competing against. This looks this looks like a great party, to be honest. It definitely looks like it took place at a haunted house, though. <laughs> it looks like there might be some fucked up yeah, shit no going sex on. Allowed sign you know? up. Yeah, and then there's a lot of nondescript liquid just being thrown around everywhere. <laughs> oh, methanol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone went blind in this. Yeah, that's uh, why filming. they look like this. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of their eyes look like they may have gone blind from the the wood the wood liquor. I mean, yeah, this video was made in '95, so we're not far off from Teen Spirit. Yeah, I feel like it's I feel like just like it's just like a skewering of American white culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that I've ever listened to a song all the way through. Yeah, uh, <laughs> listened. I've heard it all the way through. Have I listened to it all the way through? <laughs> probably. I've not, probably not sat and listened to it actually all the way through. Uh, Corey may have. I'm not sure. Oh, 100. percent I've uh, listened to this entire album multiple times, uh, front to back. <laughs> have you really? It's super solid. And I didn't know if we were going to get into more than just this song, but uh, oh, we, oh, we will, should. But let's do if it. You, if you Corey, have... please. Well, one, yeah. one thing I think is hilarious is that, like, almost all the tracks have this, this same vibe. It's like, I don't even yep. know how many tracks it is, like 15. It's it's more than just, like, a few. They all have this very, like, uh, hoedown, very traditional hoedown, very actual, pretty solid country backing with Swedish dance beats. And then halfway through the record, there's a song, I think it's called Nowhere in Idaho. It's just straight Idaho. up a traditional country song. And it's uh, no no Swedish beats. It's just a legit country song. It sounds like The Birds, maybe, or something of that vein. What? <laughs> like, just out of nowhere. I don't know. Also, if we're going to talk about the record, uh, 
the record is called Sex and Violins, which is also <laughs> an amazing title. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I forgot that. This was before Sex and Candy, so. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, this song's actually kind of good. Yeah, we played this song on our uh, country radio show that we do, Travis and I, and like just no, put fun. it in the middle of some other country songs and no one was the wiser. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> this shows that they actually do have some reverence for the genre and the, and the culture. Like, all jokes aside. Yeah, I'm kind of into this. I think this is a song that, like made me interested in the band because like I think I was doing a thing at work one day where I was picking one hit wonders and then trying to like listen to the record that it came on to see if they why they were one hit wonders yeah and when I got to this record I was like they're all kind of the songs are goofy but there's really good hooks and I got to this song and I was like what is happening in this band why why does this song exist yeah this is wild this song is great I also love the second comment here from Charlie Omondi Rednecks will never disappoint. Big fan from Kenya. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Charlie. Wow, Charlie. <laughs> the, the next Love guest it. on our show. <laughs> so let's get into the charts. Where do we think Rednecks version of Cotton Eye Joe? Because by the way, they, they their song is Cotton Eye Joe. Where oh, all the old like versions a... are Cotton Eyed Joe. Is this the first not past tense? Yeah. Probably not. If, like early, early, you know, 1800s versions that go both ways. But uh, yeah. from the, the 1900s on, it is, yeah. Uh, do you have any guesses on where this landed? Uh, so we're talking US Hot 100. Talking uh, spring into summer, 1995. Yeah, I remember hearing this on Kiss FM like all the time, like once an hour back then. Hell yeah. So I, I reckon it went pretty high, like top ten. I'm not remembering hearing it on the radio. I just remember hearing it at school, and at like dances and now weddings, of course, and sporting events. I don't remember hearing the radio. What Corey say? Number ten. That's a top ten. Yeah, top ten. Yeah. What number? Give us a number, Corey. Ten. Let's go ten. Oh, he's going yeah. ten. I think that's a wise choice. I have to say. I feel like there are certain stations that maybe did not play this as much i think i'm gonna go like 15 okay mike's usually very good at this (laughs) it peaked at number 25 oh you were close there you were close there uh may 13th 1995 uh right around it at 26 we had this little game we play by subway and in front of it at number 24 with a downtrend which I'm sure the song, uh, the song Pete at number four looked like, uh, Baby by Brandy. But let's go to the top 10. Top Wait, what 10 was this the week. Subway song? Uh, it was This Little Game We Play. I beg to remember that. Do we know this song? I do not. I think so. The band's called Subway? I don't recognize the band at all, but I vaguely, I feel like I remember the song. Eat Fresh. Subway. Oh, I know 702, and this features 702. Where my girls at. Yeah. Their I think that's where I doesn't remember the song, but maybe not. So I was picturing Subway to be like a white guy post grunge. Yeah, I was like a boy cement thing. This is not that. This looks way cooler. That's a sex jam. Yeah. This is <laughs> this does sound like it's a it's a slow jam. I actually don't remember the song. But I remember 702. Love those high synthesizers from this era. It's because we were too young for sex in nineteen ninety five. True. That's definitely true. 
Well, top oh, 10. Wow. There are some actually uh, humpy dance moves in this video. I, w- I will go to top 10, but real quick, top number 13, Believe by Elton John. Gotta give him a shout out. I love that song. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, number 10, Strong Enough by Shell Crow. Oh, number yeah. nine, Dear Mama Old School by Tupac. Oh. I Believe Blessed Union of Souls at number eight. Blessed, B L E S S I D. Blessed. Oh. Blessed. Ooh, number seven. Water runs dry, boys to men. Oh, run away! Oh, we got a big moment for for the boy the the boy R and B groups mm-hmm. right now. Uh, run away, Real McCoy at number five. Oh, another Euro dance hit. Number five. Have you ever really loved a woman by Brian Adams? Banger. Oh, from the Robin Hood movie, huh? Yeah, oh, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From the Robin Hood movie. Uh, was that his last big hit? Did he have one since? Probably got to be right. Mm. I don't know when uh, that hero song came out. Does he get mad when you call him Ryan Adams, or is that uh, only the other way around? Oh, and then they ended up being Probably buddies, now. and apparently they had the same birthday. They yeah. did the same birthday. It's wild. I feel like it'd be more offensive now to be called Ryan Adams. Oh, one hundred percent. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, number four was "I Know" by Dion Ferris. Do we know that? Do you know that one? The beginning sounds really Not familiar. what I expected this to sound like. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, you know the song. Crazy song. Oh, this song is huge. Do I? I don't know if I know the song. Oh, I know the song. I thought this was like Melissa Etheridge or some oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, this song's a jam. Yeah, it's a jam. Fuck it. This is a great song. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I don't. I never knew who sang cool this, but I, I do know this song. I don't either. Yeah, cool song. Uh, number three was "Red Light Special" by TLC, uh, and then number classic. two, "Freak Like Me" Adina Howard. So it's just like it's like R and B scene here. Yeah, it really is. And actually, continuing on, number one, this is how we do it, Montel Jordan. Oh wow, R and B is just dominating right now. That was his debut single. And spent seven weeks at number one. And then Rednecks. Uh, Rednecks. Somewhere <laughs> somewhere deep in the list. Uh, I feel like there are certain stations that, especially when they had a little more autonomy then, like pop stations, where they were like, we're not playing this fucking song. Like, we're not going to play this, no. this Rednecks. It's silly. It's weird. It's like... I don't remember any station playing. I guess country like... Country techno song. Maybe we got it more because we were in the South. Uh, maybe so. Arcus FM, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. They That's were, weird. They they might have been missing, missing a big demographic in Appalachian, Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, I was saying, like, Should in, have been hearing it a lot more. In Philly at the time, you had like Q102 and shit that would be playing like your regular pop music or whatever during the week. And then the, on weekends, like weeknight, weekend nights, they would do like club nights, and I could see like maybe this song mm, bleeding yeah. into that. Yeah. I just can't see it being like a mass adoption up here. Um, Corey, when but... when's, uh, when was it that you discovered that you love this album? Um, it was after this podcast, I think, started, and I don't remember what the deal was. Uh, like I said, I, I've always known this song forever, but uh, it was like I said, going through and listening to Finding One Hit Wonders. And then listening to their whole records, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a really good song on this record that I like called um, uh, "Let Me Go Back to Riding Alone," track number three. 
Oh, yeah. you, you want to know a fun fact about that song? Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, they released it as a single in 97. So two like years, rain. two and a half oh. years after the album came out, <laughs> they released it as a single. I think wow. that's the better song, for sure. But a lot of them have the same Lies? vibe, though. Like, it's very country, but then just has that under it. Right. Well, this music video... Okay. I just hit this music video. It's on... I don't know if this is their official channel, but it's Redneck Videos. Is the channel. That's, their, that's their channel, yeah. Well, it says... The, the first frame of the song, of this video, says... In 2020, there was no official video for this song. So instead, here's a chronicle of the Redneck history from 1992 to 1994. Oh, I could have just watched this. Fuck. <laughs> to, read the full, to read the full chronicle, 1992 to 2020, and one of those unbelievable, unlikely, and explosive success stories of show business, go to redneckmusic.com slash chronicle. Or, er, parentheses, download is free. Wow. Oh, yeah. This whole video is just like a history of the band that you can read. I fucked up on this video. <laughs> it's like, obviously, like, it's got an element of cheese to it, but like under that, there's like some legit like licks, and you can tell they can really play. Yeah. Which is confusing to me. Well, yeah. The rest of it just sounds like a Florida George Line album with like a backbeat. Well, with like a Swedish beat. I see beat. here that initially their small catalog included pirate songs and Swedish folk music. <laughs> It's one of those things where uh, it's always good and bad to be somebody that's doing something no one else is doing because it's like you're doing this thing that's amazing. And then it's like also like where do we put you in the record store? And like what radio station do we play you on? Who do we put on tour right. with you? Like how do I describe this to my friends? And then it's it comes it's this whole other issue. I mean, you play in a band that is, uh, I think, pretty difficult to categorize. It, yeah, it's a whole issue. <laughs> <laughs> Too punk for country, too country for punk, yeah. too ska for both. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think going on tour with uh, Flog and Molly this year helped us out uh, quite a bit because I think the country people are always like, you're too punk for us. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, punk people are like, oh, I get this. I know exactly what this is. This is oh, punk, but it's weird. Theo, I think all your record label info is in this video. Uh, they go like I mean, super deep into like which labels like passed on I'm, them. And I'm shit. telling you, I missed out on this fucking. <laughs> this would have been gold. <laughs> it does say here uh, major record companies Sony and BMG in Germany passed on releasing Cotton Eye Joe, the latter with the objection that it is country music. So send this to the country department. There you go. I will say that a lot of the information from the band from Patrick that I gleamed from mid 2000s or whatever um, was like a little bit circumstantial. I was like, ah, like it's like a little bit revisionist history, a little bit like he's narrating it. And so like, I definitely found some contradictions uh, in a lot of areas where mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's not the truth actually, but you're like, so, you know, uh, this video probably would be super helpful, but maybe hopefully we found some, some good little nuggets outside well, of also, the video was made by the band. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying. <laughs> Let's yeah, take yeah. it all the greatest salt here. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and they didn't give interviews for, you know, for the longest time. It's because they were like trying to do this other thing. So it's hard to like, from the horse's mouth, if you will, it's all very late in the game. Uh, I remember looking at their Wikipedia a couple years ago when I first started going to this song, getting into the song again. And it seems like there's not really like set 
band members. There's maybe a roster of oh, 20 or 25. Oh, we, we will get there. Okay. We will get I don't there, wanna, yeah. I don't want to step on your toes, but... I no, mean, no, no, no. Okay. All good. All right. Uh, no, the more the better. Yeah, we, we will jump into kind of the band now and, and where they came from. Hey, you wanted to hitters. Wanted to remind you that our friends Dark Matter Coffee in Chicago are making the most intellectually honest coffee you will experience, and they will give you free shipping on their website. Buy as many beans as you want, get free shipping. That's one bag, that's five bags. Just use the code you wanted a hit cast. That's one word you wanted a hit cast to get amazing coffee delivered to your door. Dark Matter Coffee focuses on sustainability and fair business practices. That means direct partnerships with the farmers who make their coffee. We love it. You'll love it. Give it a shot. Darkmattercoffee.com. But to finish off on the song, uh, besides the song being fucking everywhere, as far as like school dances and major sporting events goes, the Rednecks version of the song has been featured in many shows, including Mouth in the Middle, Beavis and Butthead, Family Guy, The Ranch, my name is Earl, New Girl, many others. Uh, it's been featured countless times in American Idol, uh, to everyone's chagrin. Uh, movie-wise, it's probably in a lot of movies, but I guess it's apparently like very prominently featured in Daniel Radcliffe's movie Swiss Army Man, which I've never oh. seen. I didn't know oh, about it. It's a wild it movie. It looks weird as fuck. It's so weird. Uh, the Mental Floss article that I pulled some things from opens with a paragraph about this movie, but then never follows up with like, uh, any kind of conclusion about it, but they have this quote that's from uh, uh, one of the filmmakers. When the time came to pick a theme song for their feature debut, the much-discussed Swiss Army Man starring Daniel Radcliffe, filmmakers Daniel Scheinhart, and Daniel Kwan had a novel idea. Hey, what if the whole movie was just scored by the worst song ever? This is from <laughs> Scheinhart. Recalling a, conversation, recalling a conversation that naturally led them to Cotton Eye Joe. And the article doesn't come back from that, so... There is a version of, of Cotton Eye Joe kind of by Manchester Orchestra in the movie, I guess, which is... they scored the movie. Manchester Orchestra scored the movie. Yeah. So I need to go back and watch the movie, I guess, to really understand. I, I don't think I picked up on the fact that Manchester Orchestra did a cover of the song in the movie, but... Kind, uh, kind of, I listened to a bit of it, like a trailer, and it's like yeah. very like slow and mysterious. That makes sense. Corey, have you seen this no. one? No. It's Paul Dano and Danny Radcliffe and their best friends, and they're like out in the woods. I don't know the circumstances, but it's like one guy dies, maybe comes back Danny to Radcliffe life. Danny Radcliffe dies, yeah. and then he's like kind of alive, but he can only communicate by farting. Oh my and uh, <laughs> uh, and I think from what I remember, like he also like they can travel from his farts because they're so strong. Cause you know, like a dead body as it decomposes, it like lets all the gas out. Um, so they basically like naturally, get, naturally. you can travel yeah. through the bar. Yep. Uh, and Paul Dano is like riding his body and the farts are propelling him like out of this dangerous situation. And I don't know if Dana Radcliffe speaks the whole movie. I think he just farts the whole time. <laughs> It sounds like the rednecks of movies, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> there, there was inspiration there. I probably just butchered the synopsis, but I don't, from I the trailer, I don't, the I don't think you did. Uh, MTV Dance plays Scott and I Joe at number 51 on their list of 100 biggest 90s dance anthems of all time. 
Okay. BuzzFeed put it at number 97 of their 101 greatest dance songs of all time. Pace Magazine ranked it number 17 in the 60 best dance floor classic. Ooh. Uh, and then while the song is played in every sporting venue around the world, I should mention that in 2021, the Ontario Hockey League team, Golf Storm, stopped using the song during their games after consultation with local groups alleging the song has racist origins. Mm. Maybe. Uh, That's what's interesting about the song, though, is that it's... Well, there are a lot of interesting things about the song, but the Cotton Eye Joe as a folk song was written by black singers yeah. and then was just appropriated by white people. So I'm not sure lyrically it's offensive. The Dorothy, like her name, uh, folklore. It was cool. Uh, Scarborough. Scar- not Scarborough. Dorothy Scarborough. Scarborough. Okay. Dorothy Scarborough. Oh. Yes. So that version. She'll be our next guest. So that version, uh, she, there's no way she's alive. Makes reference to, <laughs> she describes the the quote unquote ugly man, um, and it's like mm-hmm. very descriptive of of black person at the time, like, uh, and, and it uses some it. foul okay. language. So that got that it. one's okay. pretty offensive um, overall. And that I believe it seeming seemingly like this was the first bastardization by whites and saying like Cotton Eye Joe stole their woman. Um, so there's definitely uh, some some versions that you could dig into that were problematic for sure and yes. uh, misused. So interesting. Okay. But I think originally it was a you know a slave song that was about you know like getting away from their their immediate surroundings and having something to dance to and celebrate and mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so like yeah it has a problematic background and extent it can. But there's so many versions of the dance song. You know, as many songs have been, uh, quote, borrowed by white musicians. That's when things, I think, it seems like the, uh, that's when the connotation of the song really changed and perhaps what folks are referencing now. But it doesn't seem like Rednecks had that intention whatsoever. It was just like the song they liked. And to that point. And then they want to make fun of white people with it. So <laughs> white Americans point. with it. <laughs> uh, to that point, I, I, we're not going to talk about any covers because uh, to one source said the song has been recorded over 130 times since 1950. Yeah. And that was in like 2009. So it's probably more so now. But let's, let's talk about okay. where they are now, alluding to Corey's point. Uh, Red yeah, Next? Rednecks themselves. So I got my information from a couple different sources. One article was on pedestrian.tv entitled whatever happened to redneck the musical geniuses behind cotton eye joe so she's a fan he's, he's given credit wow and was your other source Corey's diaries <laughs> I, well my other source was patrick a lot of it so okay. uh, but i like this this quote from from this girl uh the truth is my interest in swedish one-hit wonders rednecks stems solely from the fact that cotton eye joe is a dead set goddamn banger. It slaps as hard and probably harder than any pop song from the mid '90s, and I listen to it way more than I care to admit. Damn! Wow! If somebody said that Love shit that. about my record, holy fuck, I would be flipping out. That's an <laughs> amazing review, <laughs> right? <It is. laughs> so after the release of Cotton Eye Joe, the band released their debut album, Sex and Violins, as we mentioned, uh, and it features a few European hits, including Old Poppin' and Oak and the ballad Wish You Were Here. And then, again, released 
riding along two years later in 1997, oddly enough. Uh, let's listen to Old Pop in the Oak. That's a good one. Good one. Okay. Uh, we'll, pop, we'll pop that one in the chat here. This one is very similar to Cotton Eye Joe in, like, the construction of, like, immediately. I mean, it sounds exactly the same. It's exactly the same, yeah. And the video is like a sequel. Yeah. The second comment on this one from Ollie, 10 months ago, the difference between this and Cotton Eye Joe is like night and later that night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh, we have to listen to this song, Wish You Were Here. Uh, not a cover of Pink Floyd. Uh, I was wondering if it was that or Incubus, because I would love to hear <laughs> Rednecks cover Incubus. So take a listen to this. And then... Well, I the guitar you, sounds just like Pink Floyd. Let me tell you a really interesting fact of this song. One of the producers of Wish You Were Here was an up-and-comer named Max Martin. What? No. You might know Max from some of his 25-plus number one hits and his work with Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys and Taylor Swift, but this oh, was wow. Max's first gold disc and number one hit. Whoa. Mind blown. If it weren't yeah. for Rednecks, we wouldn't have many hits that we know from... We absolutely would still have Idol Clark things. <laughs> <laughs> but at least... Kind of a fun fact. Selena Gomez. A very fun fact. So, Damn. the inbred hillbillies of the Redneck haven't been as successful as Max, but they continue for years. I think they really they still are playing. Uh, but over the years, the band members, as Ford mentioned, would come and go. In 1999, they released the single The Way I Mate. Do they mate the way they do on the Discovery Channel? Is that part of it? It's not far off at all. So, yeah, let's get into the weirdness of the, the different members here. So, according to Wikipedia because the source link wasn't working. Uh, <laughs> I quote, uh, in 2000, in the wake of NAFTA's rising presence in the music industry, co-founder Patrick Edinburgh outlined a new strategy for Redneck. The group would become an entertainment group rather than just a band, though not to be solely dependent on record sales. As he presented this idea to performers during the video shoot for Hold Me For A While in Kenya, he was met with great Skepticism. Wait, Kenya, that's where Charlie was. Well, they filmed the, <laughs> the video biggest there. fan. They filmed a video there. This is all coming together. So Patrick makes this announcement, and uh, and it's met with great skepticism. Nielsen replied, we will not become a goddamn circus act. The aftermath of this conflict resulted in the whole band, all four members, being replaced for the first time. Now... I don't really know what he was talking about. I mean, we'll get into like where it becomes kind of like a, an act of sorts, uh, but they continue to keep playing uh, as a band, but they just change members constantly. So in 2006, the original singer was assigned the licensing rights to the band until 2009. She fired most of the members and replaced them, one with her husband. They changed members again, and one of the old groups ended up founding a new band called Redneck tribute which just played redneck songs and toured at the exact same time as the redneck in 2009 the licensing went back to, they went back to the founders of the, of the group originally they fired all the people that were a part of redneck and then replaced them with the redneck tribute guys and they released the song devil's no loose in the partnership with pirate bay and then in 2012 redneck announced that they had dissolved the concept of the permanent band at that point 
intending to instead be a larger proof of character form, which one female, so every band would be one female and three male performers, and they would be chosen for each performance. This is like Zayo. I don't know. It's like a blue man group kind of thing. It's very blue man man group. group. Yeah. Zayo is the, the, one of the first like big Christian metalcore bands. Oh, Christian bands love this shit. They just keep like changing members. It's like a basketball team. Okay. Yeah. Well, Hillsong does that. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to Redneck, they claim this idea was totally unproven, unheard of in the music industry. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, a bunch of members would return and quit throughout the years. But is it not like uh, there's, they, they book a tour and then it's like, which four can go on this tour? <laughs> so that's essentially they, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, everyone's, there's still 20 people in the band, but only four on tour at any given time. Well, but they would. They had multiple on tour. Oh, so, okay. uh, oh what? So this group is going to this country. This group oh, is going yeah. to this. Shit. Corey, so, y'all got to do this. By 2018, they were smart franchising it. Yeah, franchising. franchising. <laughs> by, by 2018, <laughs> there were 17 revolving acts. And by the way, holy this 2000, shit. This 2018. In 2017, their first show in America. Whoa. Whoa. They, they never toured America. Their first show was in Carson City, Nevada to honor fallen deputy Carl Howell. Okay. Weird. Yeah, right? <laughs> what, was he just like a big Rednecks fan? He was I, like, y'all, if I get killed in the line of duty, Rednecks are playing my funeral. I don't <laughs> know the story. Takes, get them. Just get them. <laughs> but I'm just surprised that they never fully toured the U.S. Wow. So uh, if we were to go see Rednecks, say there's a Rednecks show that we can all make it to together. Yeah. Um, we don't know which Rednecks group it is. Well, all right. So in 2018, there were 17 revolving active members. Uh, it all they also had different outfits of the band that toured at the same time. So you had Rednecks, Rednecks Revival Band, the Cotton Eye Joe Show, and then Rednecks NZ, which stands for New Zealand, because the band franchised their name, Hell and yeah. the only person to buy in was a guy in New Zealand that made a Rednecks version in New Zealand. So it's like if you franchised all the tribute bands to your band. Yeah. Like, that is brilliant. Yeah. And it was also this time... Except only one guy in New Zealand bit, but, you know, I like the idea. In 2017-18, they started to live stream on Twitch. So they're actually ahead of the curve, ahead of the COVID curve. Yeah. But here's the deal. Uh, They live stream themselves (laughs) 24-7. I guess there's enough of them. That they only had to do it for a few minutes their press each. Re- their press release was uh, that they were the first pop band with a worldwide hit to their name to live stream themselves 24-7. And I, I have no idea how long this lasted, but they definitely did the multiple band thing because one of the quotes I read was, uh, this is an insane weekend for us. We have three different bands in three different locations, one in East Germany, one in West Germany, and my outfit, who's going to Romania and Hungary. And this is a quote from Mo Lester the Limp, who at the, who at the time... <laughs> say, <laughs> me? say that one more time. Uh, Mo Lester the Limp. And he was the most recent addition to the pool of characters. I didn't think the name could get worse, and then it did. <laughs> so the last I read, that, uh, oh I read that gosh. Abby Hick, Rattler, Bone Duster Croc, and Joe Craig had left re- Rednecks, while Whippy, Billy Ray, and BB Stiff remained reserves and that reduced the pool to 10 performers. This was in 
2018. So the last like real information I could find in the crew. Uh, at the time, they also had an online merch store, which they still do. They sell like mugs and thongs and stuff. Uh, but Corey, do you have a redneck thong? Not yet. You could. <laughs> let me let me give you a link to the, the site that you have in uh, future reference, you know. Um, so, but back in the day, a couple of years back here, uh, they had a store where you could also buy experiences, if you will. Uh, experiences. So for uh, 666 euro, you could get like a backstage access and a ton of merch throughout the year. For 11,000 euro, you could have a private show uh, for you. Uh, and then for two million euro, you could buy the band. You just you own it now. You just buy the band. You own the band. <laughs> and the quote, the quote from the website. And by the way, I also read somewhere that they were the first band uh, to sell themselves on eBay. <laughs> literally, so they, this this same offer was on eBay. Uh, but uh, quoted from their uh, from their website at the time. Put your grandma's dog in the band. Release 87 different remixes of Cotton Eye Joe and call the next album when I went fishing with Stephen Hawking and he just went on and on about gluons and morons. Bah. Or do something serious and profitable with it. I don't know. It's totally up to you. Anything goes because you're the boss. Make world <laughs> history and become the first one to ever buy your own number one pop band. Genius. That is amazing. Kind of genius. I don't think anyone ever bought <laughs> maybe it. They wouldn't have to, maybe they wouldn't have had to do that if they weren't releasing all their albums on Pirate Bay. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Come on. Just some trust fund kid. Just buy them and just see what happens. Yeah. Let's do it. So I I, I counted. As, as I can tell, there's, there have been 25 members of the band at some point. But I don't know if that includes all the different iterations of franchises or not. I don't think it um, can. Statistically. Yeah, probably not. Statistically, I think an entire nation of people have all been in some form of. I'm rednecks. surprised that no one of the leaders. And I, I don't think that uh, Wikipedia is a good uh, source for gathering all the past. No, uh, inform, you know the gathering of the rednecks. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I know this is because uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Jason, that used to play in a band uh, that I used to tour with like ten years ago called Kentucky Knife Fight. Uh, put on their Wikipedia page that he was the original Bone Duster Croc since there have been many <laughs> Bone Duster Crocs in the history of their band. And to this day, I just checked. It's still on their Wikipedia page. Actually, I read that earlier. You, you mentioned the name and I was like, oh wait, I heard that band. That's why I've heard that band because he, it, he came out that he was the original Bone Duster Croc. Corey was in that band. Yeah, well, but so he, he just added this shit as a joke and then put it on Facebook. It's like, Look what I did. <laughs> I love it. Theo saw it. I read that, I read that in, a, <laughs> That's in a different article. And then I went back to, to, to Wikipedia oh, no. and found it. And I was like, well, okay. But I, I didn't. Anyway, they were a great band. But let's, let's end with uh, two, two good quotes that I found. So uh, one from that same press release. Uh, I forget which press release this was. But one of the Rednecks press releases that ends with Rednecks averages 0.25 arrests. 0. 0.40 hospital visits and 0. 0.11 lawsuits and 500 bottles of Jägermeister per single. Jägermeister <laughs> continues to refuse our sponsorship in spite of many friendly proposals. <laughs> and then, wow, here's what I love uh, from that same Song Facts uh, interview there. They asked Patrick what the redneck philosophy is. And he said, keywords, 
freedom, acceptance, party, energy, unpretentiousness, allowance, individual expression. And that's Redneck, baby. <laughs> wow. What's that acronym? Paparuai. <laughs> <laughs> When you said uh, unpretentiousness, I thought you're going to say unprotected well, sex. I did They're too. <laughs> hey, the song could be about STDs. So, so guys, we went to uh, we went from pre Civil War South all the way to at least 2018. I really don't know what they're doing now, uh, but I'm sure you could find some outfit of this band continuing to play. I think this is the biggest historical ride we've yeah. we've taken. Definitely. Um, they had the, they had they had this song that's that's had the, all this crazy history that they just like heard a version in yeah, the they 90s kinda walked backwards into it. Created <laughs> created this this most famous version of the song. And then they just basically became like a I don't even know what you would call this. They kind of have like I, I I made a joke earlier about uh the gathering of the rednecks. They've kind of got like an insane clown posse thing going on. I can yeah. see that, yeah. It's wild. They're they're endlessly fascinating. Anything I look up about them, any story I read about them, you're like, what is happening? Like, how is this a band? What decisions are they making? And like this is only uh furthering that in my mind, selling the just selling their band. Oh, like, that's absurd. All these things you've, you've talked about today. It's just <laughs> oh, like man. what an insane idea for a band and they've just they from day one, ninety five or whatever you said, and then They've just never stopped having insane ideas. Yeah, like, I mean they're they're the they're the ship of thesis of of country Swedish bands because they yeah. I don't know what they are anymore, but they still are the thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> you st- it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but there's something about it that gra- grabs you because they are doing real country music. They are very talented singers and players, and then they do insane shit over it that like kind of covers that up, so you don't notice the- it. The absurdity of it covers up the the true talent that they have, and I think the reverence for the music yeah. too, for old timey music. Yeah. And the other thing about this song that I think is like we've had a few like this, but this one in particular, like yes, the the song itself, the Rednecks version, is strange and unique and seemingly impossible. But the fact that Cotton Eye Joe is a song started where it did and went through all these different iterations over time for better or worse and then became this thing that is just massive still is so uh just un- unlikely like that's that's the best word or impossible i would say that's why this is the perfect place to discuss it because it's like why is this a hit and that's what you guys do so well that's why i've tuned in every week or every however often you put them we out try and, uh, we, we would do once a week. It's fascinating yeah, every time. We drink know, a lot. Yeah. So, we have jobs. Oh, that's it. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. But Corey, yeah, what's Corey, the, uh, where can he'll find you? What are you doing next? Where, what, you know, like, give us, give us a spiel. Oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, we, uh, so I'm in a band called Vandaliers. We just put out a record in, was it August? Um, uh, it's doing well. We love it. It's our fourth record. It's the biggest, Bang. uh, sounding record that we've made. I think it captures the most, like what we do live. Uh, we've played, I don't know, 150 shows this year. We've been on tour with uh, Flog and Molly, Sam Morrow, um, gosh, Roger Klein, Old 97s. We're on tour now with Mike and the Moon Pies. Um, we're just never not on tour. So there's always dates, vandaliers.com slash shows. We try to hit everywhere. We're in Europe for six weeks this year. We're in Mexico. Uh, we were in the Bahamas. Uh, 
we we try to go everywhere um and we try to see all the people we played in 44 states i think so uh Anyway, we try to go everywhere, and it's it's exhausting, and I'm looking forward to going home at the end of this year and having, like, a month to just sleep in my own bed. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, we're everywhere, <laughs> and I, I we're having a, a, a blast. That's great. That's great. Um, Corey, you also have a great radio show that I enjoy that yes. I'd love our listeners to know about. My bandmate uh, that plays the fiddle, so I always try to push this song on him, the Redneck song. <laughs> And he's actually started to come around to where he likes it as well. <laughs> but <laughs> he and I have a, uh, a show called Americinda, named after our first record and our subsequent record label that we formed to put out our fourth record on. And uh, it's on Gimme Country and iHeartRadio. And uh, it comes out every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central, and then it reruns a couple times throughout the week. And each episode is themed, and we try to come up with songs that are kind of off the wall and that nobody, you know, some popular songs, but then a lot of songs that are like, uh, introducing them, kind of like Rednecks, how I said we threw this into an episode once and nobody knew, so. Oh, that one song, yeah, I wouldn't have known either. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So right we, just on, to, we just try to have fun, and uh, that show gets off the rails because we get pretty drunk before we do it. <laughs> And we'll usually be either in the hotel after or in the green room uh, of the venue, and we'll just be telling stories that we probably shouldn't be telling. And uh, we've had to re-record a couple segments of that because we're like, oh, we're going to get in trouble if this one comes out. <laughs> delete, delete. Yeah. I've edited some things out of this show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get it. You're with your buddies having drinks, talking about music and life and whatnot. It's great. That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Good luck getting that song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. And if you listen on Apple, write a review, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at YWAHpod at gmail.com. And lastly, share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bible. And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.